Welcome to the Unseen Realm with Paul Renfro. I'm your host, Paul Renfro, and with me are dear friends and mature people who are studying the scripture together about living as a spirit. We're going through my book, Nobody Sees This You, How to Live as a Spirit in the Unseen Realm. You're welcome to get a copy, but you can follow along as well. We'll have a whiteboard with the excerpts and the Bible verses that we'll be covering. The tagline may have drawn you to this podcast and presentation, and that tagline is this. Finally, a Bible explanation for what you are experiencing. Because we all of us participating in this have been through this process of having an itch that nobody could scratch, knowing that there was someone, something, somehow, some way in an unseen world that was instrumental and even determinative in the present visible world. And so that's what we're discussing tonight. We thank you very much for joining us. And let's get started. What we're doing is we're taking a scripture at a time, going over excerpts from my book and the scriptures associated with it. And so here tonight, our very first one is a very well-known passage called the Beatitudes. And this is the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. And it chronologically in the New Testament, it is the very first teaching that is recorded by Jesus and is extremely potent. You may be aware that there is a streaming video presentation called The Chosen, and so there is a episode where he gives the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, there's also an episode where the disciple Matthew is helping him to compose it. It's very touching, very realistic, and so here is the Sermon on the Mount. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's that itch we were talking about a while ago. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, you may be familiar with the attitudes in a general way, but I want to begin with the end in mind. If you look at that very last one, Jesus is talking about people who are blessed because they follow him and because people revile them and persecute them as Christians, as people who believe in Jesus. Now, it's telling that this comes from a person who was himself killed by his peers. He was crucified, as we know now, for our sins, but that wasn't really made plain at that time, and not even his disciples knew the purpose for which he allowed himself to be killed. But we as spirits 
made alive by faith in him. We are somewhat unusual in this world. And people who are not born in the spirit have this kind of response. Well, if you're just a regular person, you've got people that like you, but you've also got people who've responded to you strangely, possibly because you know there is more to life than meets the eye. And sometimes people are not really amenable to that fact. So let's go back up to the beginning. What would you expect Jesus, who many people think founded a religion, Christianity, would you expect him to say, blessed are the poor in spirit? You might actually be relieved that he said that. You might have been measuring yourself your entire life as if he had actually said, blessed are the rich in spirit. And if you look around you at the people who seem to rise to prominence in religion, any religion, it seems to be those who really put themselves forward or as regarded popularly as rich in spirit. And so here shortly, we'll be discussing these things together as a group. But this is a fundamental principle in the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, in the previous discussion segment, we talked about what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus explains, flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. In our discussion subsequently, we talked about how everybody is born in the natural, in the flesh, to use the Bible term. We have souls, we have bodies, we have minds and emotions and feelings, and we can perceive things. We know there is more, but without a living spirit, without being born in the spirit, then it's tough to participate in the spirit world. So as we follow through the book I referred to at the beginning, Nobody Sees This You, How to Live as a Spirit in the Unseen Realm. The very first step is acknowledgement that you are poor in spirit. And so we come to the next beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And as you listen to this, you may not be really in mourning, but you know people who are. People who are so frustrated, it's like those who just claw their eyes wanting to see or having seen things they wish they hadn't. And we all can experience this. And so it's mourning time. Now, we think of mourning as associated with funerals and death time and things that were avoidable. Here lately, the avoidable death of a celebrity has been all over the news. And there's mourning associated with that. And when your parents and grandparents and family members and possibly, sadly, children have died, there's mourning associated with that. But Jesus is not talking about that kind of mourning here. He wants to elevate the conversation. He's talking about that mourning that bemoans the fact that I want to relate to him, and it seems virtually impossible. Why? Because of the first one. Because I am poor in spirit. Now, Jesus is not endorsing remaining here. He's saying that these are the doorways. Look at this one. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you're poor in spirit, it, yours is the kingdom of heaven. How is this possible? He'll explain it 
I promise you, and we'll be discussing it shortly so that you can benefit fully, and we'll be covering these things in further episodes. But this is the promise. This is why Jesus is regarded as speaking with authority. How is it that he can tell you, you're blessed if you're poor in spirit, because yours is the kingdom of heaven. And the secret is how we started off. It's association with him. He brings it all together at the end where we started off, that when you're associated with him, people may revile you and persecute you, but you're blessed and great is your reward. Here, it's all completely backwards, isn't it? People who mourn are blessed. How can that be? Because he has a comfort that only he can provide. Blessed are the meek. Now, what does the world say? You're blessed if you're rich and famous. And the people who rise to the top seems to be the ones who who say, I've got it all and, and you should follow me and beat their own drums. And they have publicists who are willing to do that even if they don't. But guess what? The meek, the people who don't put themselves forward, and this may be you, you have this itch inside that you know there's more happening to you. And Jesus is giving us that Bible explanation for what you're sensing, what you're experiencing. All these qualities that make you lightly regard yourself, that make you think you don't have what it takes, that make you feel like there's no hope, these are the blessed qualities because they are the doorway. Now, inherit the earth. That is a future promise. In other words, it's not instant. It's not like going to McDonald's and say, give me my cup of joe. No, it's a process, as we talked about in previous episodes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There's that itch. And what is righteousness? Righteousness is that quality where everything fits, hand and glove, dovetail, like a dovetail joint of carpentry on your drawers in your dresser. And that righteousness is where everything fits the way it feels like it should be, because God made it that way. You can read the rest of these. One of the things that we have in our society is a good thing. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. But you've got to be wary when people want to skip the previous ones, because this is sequential. If you're not poor in spirit, mourning and meek, hungering and thirst for righteousness, there's a good chance that your mercy is manipulative. And we see that, just the news, the 24-7 news cycle. Why are they doing all this? Are they really favoring mercy? No, they want to sell ads. That's how they make their money. That's all good. I'm not saying they're evil, but we don't have to bury our heads in the sand either about it. And so we want to be merciful in our personal lives. But our reward is not from man. When we're merciful, our reward is from being aligned in an agreement with Jesus Christ. So now let's turn to an excerpt from my book, and then we'll open it up for conversation. There is the narrow gate. Whether we look at our own lives and times or the lives of the ancients in the Bible and history, very few people live as spirits. And I ask you, listener, do you know anyone who identifies themselves as a spirit? Well, okay, you might, you might not, but there's a learning curve, isn't there? Jesus made our birth as spirits possible, and every person is eligible. The gospel message tells how. But he said few people would accept it. It's in the gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 13 to 14, the same sermon where he began with the Beatitudes. 
Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So, listener, why is the gate narrow? What's so hard to learn about our spirit? Why do so few people live as spirits? And here's why, what we just read in the Beatitudes. Because we are so poor in spirit. So poor, in fact, that even the idea may make no sense to people. There's a point in time which we think, why do I need all that? We might feel that need to be a spirit. We might feel that God is close and at hand and moving among us and wanting a relationship with us and us with him. And yet the places we might normally turn don't seem to hold much promise because only God, the spirit, can make us spirits. Only he can supply the growth of our spirit. It's a serious desire. Fewer still are those who are willing to accept God's terms. So it's possible to have the desire to be a spirit, but when God says, do it this way, we say, no, I'm not interested in that. I want it my way. Well, this is not Burger King spirit. People take their poverty of spirit for granted like a fish takes the water for granted. It's all you've ever known. Our entire environment codifies poverty of spirit. Keywords and categories in our conversation presume our inadequacy to be a living spirit. Our period of history has conditioned us because we lived in a materialistic, naturalistic worldview where, hey, if we can't be a spirit, let's just say the natural world is all there is. But there's very few human beings who really believe that when they get in a crisis. There's a reason we call it a foxhole prayer. The operating systems of our times limit and hinder our perception of the unseen world. Well, I want to open it up for discussion, and I'm going to ask my wife, Diane, what's your response to these things for the listeners? Well, I just wanted to say a personal testimony to being a spirit and what that concept, that truth has done this past couple of weeks. I had what I thought was a sort of a vision of something. I'm not going to go into the details. But when it came time, there was nothing there. It was not answered. Just the opposite. So what do I do? It's not a fault with God. I don't think it's a real fault with me, but why? And you know, it doesn't matter because I am a spirit. I can fall back on all the word of God. And just because something didn't happen the way I thought, the way I thought I sensed in the spirit, it doesn't matter because God is so real. Why worry about it? You know, I'm still asking him because sometimes he gives me visions of things and they're very real and have been for many years. I don't seek them out necessarily, but it's not a necessity. You can go on with your life if something doesn't happen the way you thought it would because you love the Lord and that's all you need. And I am asking him what went wrong. That's your nature. Diane, again, I'm just kind of dovetailing off of what you said. And I think that we need to ask questions. You know, I really believe God's waiting. We ask, seek, and knock. And the aspect of asking, you don't have because you don't ask. You're looking for truth. You're looking for God to reveal that mystery for you in that dream or vision from the unseen realm 
to the scene realm because our first point of reference is the scene realm. Getting back to the Beatitudes, you know, it's a total kingdom perspective. When And I've taught this for 30 years. There's two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness, mm-hmm. kingdom of light. They are diametrically opposed. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is totally backwards to the kingdom of the world. We have to think our paradigm of the kingdom of heaven is, is totally reversed from the things of the world. You know, we're in this world, but not of this world. Don't love the world or anything in it. You know, his word is spirit and is li- and life. Our starting point, uh, a, a born again starting point, as Nicodemus finds out, mm-hmm. is that, and that's why Jesus said, I'm talking to you about earthly things. What are you going to do when I start talking about heavenly things, spiritual <laughs> things? The focus and the shift is happening at that moment, and it happens with each one of us. And over a course of time, that's what I loved about what you said. Maybe he hasn't given you that answer. I believe God is about to open your eyes for the answer because that's how the prophetic works. We hear and we speak. We see, we speak. And so he shows you prophetically, mm-hmm. even in the Beatitudes, as we go poor in spirit, and then he comforts those who mourn. Okay, how does that work? Uh, poor in spirit in the kingdom. Well, it, it, it works really, really well because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Well, we have to be humble, and that causes the poor in the spirit to be comforted. Our mourning is because now we've come to the relationship that we want all of him and none of us. We need mm-hmm. him because this urgency in the spirit starts to take over our flesh, and now we see the kingdom of God. He gave the model prayer in Matthew 6, that kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now there's the flip. There it is. There's the unseen world. You know, if we're in heaven right now, we're not in the flesh. You can't get in that way. It's got Jeez. to be in the spirit. Oh, Mark, that's, that's <clears throat> beautiful. Yeah, it seems like it's contradictory, but there is a huge contradiction between the world that we live in and the kingdom of God. That's one of the big misunderstandings of a lot of Christians between the kingdom and what we live in here. And it is the opposite. When I read these, I think about when I got saved. I was poor in the spirit and I wasn't in mourning and and all of those things. And that's how we come to Christ, by being lowly and meek. And then he comforts us. And then he gives us his righteousness. And as you go through these beatitudes to the end, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the pure in heart. It goes from the poor in spirit and the ones that are mourning to those that are merciful and those that are peacemakers and and they'll be called children of God. So it makes a turnaround when we get saved and we come to him as as these lowly, person mourning in in weak in spirit and then he comes to live within us and then we become a different person thank god for that huh (laughs) all right well let's hear from some of the others how about you chris i like just clarifying this poor in spirit we hear it all the time and so for readers who are maybe new to this i felt compelled to just make sure that they understood when we're saying poor in spirit, it's those who know they can't rely only on themselves, that they're mm-hmm. not self-sufficient, that the, that they're beggars 
before God, that mm. they recognize every good comes from him, that everything mm. they have is a gift, including their children, and that it's grace that comes to them. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what poor in spirit is recognizing. This isn't something I did. This mm-hmm. accomplishment isn't mine. These children aren't mine to brag. These are all mm-hmm. first. Adam and Eve had it because they were in this paradise. Mm-hmm. Everything there, mm-hmm. God gave them everything. But we've, we've moved into post Adam and Eve time when you know they made <laughs> some poor choices and we continue to make those choices. And so then we start getting all the things of the world, including Satan's pride, which makes us think, oh, well, I just, I don't need God. Or do you really think there's God? Because I'm not so sure. I think I'm doing pretty good on my own. Until we aren't doing so good. And then we're like, well, maybe there is a God. And so we go back and forth. But the poor in spirit recognize mm-hmm. um, the treasures that they have, they've received from something bigger than themselves, from God. Uh, and that they try not to waste anything, you know, like the multiplication of loaves. There were 12 baskets of leftovers. I'm a gardener. I take all these flowers and I break them open to see all those seeds and I use them for the next uh, season. So he is telling us here in terms of the narrow gate that there's one way to think mm-hmm. in order to get through that narrow gate. The reason it's narrow in uh, in Israel, there mm-hmm. is a, an actual gate called the narrow gate. It's mm-hmm. low. And it's very narrow and the camels couldn't get through. They were all packed with all their stuff. It protected the inner city from mm-hmm. people coming in with things. And it's for a symbol of that morning you were talking about is letting go of all the stuff that we want to carry. That's ours that we feel proud about mm-hmm. or, you know, the material things, letting go. Well, well let me that. jump in because I think you're right on the money. Grover, Stacy, let's hear your thoughts about this. We've got to get the mindset that we are supernatural. Mm-hmm. And I looked up the word supernatural. The word supernatural means beyond and above the natural. This is where God operates. It, it is a realm where heaven and earth intermingle. The realm of interaction between God and man. God wants his children to live and operate from this realm. Mm-hmm. We have to have the mindset that we are supernatural so that we can operate as spirits. You're so right about what you're saying about the first parts of the Beatitudes, because mm-hmm. I'm just going to give an example of one, the meek shall inherit the earth and the meek shall possess the land. See, just that right is what builds us because to possess the land is work. Mm-hmm. To possess the land we have to war. We have to do things in the spirit. We have to operate in the spirit. It's like Gideon, just like Joshua. Mm-hmm. Even though the land was promised to them, and they had the inheritance, they had to work and they had to war, and they had to move in and take what mm-hmm. God had for them before it was there. So just that right there is building so that we would be. Red, like you said, it's a foundation for understanding the rest to be attitudes. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, that that's beautiful. Yeah, uh, I'd like to. Yeah, go ahead, Andrew. I like a quote from chapter one, which was that the spirit of God lives in us, and if He sees the unseen world, then we can see it too. Mm. Hallelujah. Tell us about that. Why was that meaningful to you? You read that quote. If the spirit of the spirit of God lives in us. And if he yeah. sees the unseen world, then we can see it too. Yes. I don't experience that yet, but there's a hopefulness there that I'm going to be able to increase my vision to see what the Holy Spirit is seeing 
in the people and situations around me. Oh, boy, that's beautiful. And we talked about in the previous portion, because there's this process, a maturing process, and it's full of hopefulness because as we talked about it, it's God who's releasing the sight to our spirit eyes as we can take it. And it's a beautiful, beautiful hopefulness. That's a great word. How about you, Allison? I'm just remembering years ago discussing the process of the Beatitudes with you, Paul. Oh, Um, really? Cool. Yes. You've been chewing on this one for a really long time. I can remember discussing. (laughs) I'm slow. Process. (laughs) Yeah. So it is a process and not everybody realizes that. I just was enjoying listening to you expound on that. So. That's beautiful. Diane, how about you? Here, take the microphone, Diane. Okay. I remember learning about the word meek because we don't use it in secular society the way it is in scripture. Meek, I remember learning as power under control, like a horse, a really powerful horse with reins that is directed one way and another. So that is a really great thought about meek, not being all sycophant or weaselly, but a meek person. I've seen a lot of people who are meek over the years, and they're just like that, power under control. They could probably pound you in the head, but they don't. I love that. One of the things, Diane, that has been meaningful to me is that throughout the Unseen series, and just for the listener to be aware, the Unseen series has nine books. I must confess, it's getting ready to be 10. As we study the kingdom of darkness and the methods that the devil uses against humanity, one of the things that becomes quite clear in contrast is how God does things. So the the devil's idea about power is what good is power if you're not using it against somebody? But God's idea of power is what good is power if you're not using it for somebody? And that really simply sums up why we all hunger. We know there's a God because we know that he wants to be our father. He wants to use his power for us. And we want to benefit from that. And we try to emulate him. You know, there's a lot of really nice people in the world who don't claim to be Christians. And there's a lot of evil people who do, and also a lot of evil people who don't. And the point being that in our desire for him to be kind to us, this meekness, this poverty of spirit, this mourning that characterizes us, we want to be merciful to others and hunger and thirst for righteousness. And it has a purifying effect on us. And these are the signs to God that we uh, want to be born as a spirit. And so I want to close with thanks to all that have participated and uh, invite all of you to join in our next segment where we will discuss how to live as a spirit in the unseen realm. Please come back, y'all.